Broadcasting live from the ESPN 690 Anajar and Levine Studios. This is Action Sports Chats with Brent Martineau. Yeah, I do, and I think the problem they're going to have is at some point, you know, it's one thing for the media to speculate or fans, but what happens if Trent Williams or Nick Bosa walks in to Kyle Shanahan and says, hey, we all love Trey Lance, we think he has an incredible future, but look, he hasn't played a lot of football, and Brett Favre failed in Atlanta. Aaron Rodgers basically didn't play the first three years of his career. Josh Allen was very average his first year. It takes time, and they have a really good roster now, so... There's another dynamic in the building they're going to have to deal with, which is what happens when somebody wants to, you know, suggest playing Jimmy Garoppolo and they're a veteran player. That is Mike Tannenbaum. And uh, I think I've brought that scenario up a couple of times in San Francisco. I think that is a possibility. You know, I think uh, you've got to be careful of that if you're the uh, San Francisco 49ers, at least aware of it with Jimmy Garoppolo still in the building. You didn't have to worry about that if Garoppolo was gone. Now I think you kind of do. And it's all up to Trey Lance. He can obviously quiet that and show some signs. They want to go with Trey Lance. Like, I get it. The team wants to rally around Trey Lance. Like, I get it. There's probably higher upside. But for six weeks, man, if they feel like their season's going not in the right direction, those guys are going into that office. I guarantee it. Yeah, you said it perfectly. Without Garoppolo on that team, Trey Lance has a full season to mess it up and still come back next year and progress. And uh, that's just not the case this year. Absolutely. Um, you know, we brought up, uh, by the way, Doug Peterson and Trent Balky are meeting with the media uh, here at 4 o'clock uh, right now. There's also a big uh, soccer announcement that just took place, and we're there with Action Sports Jacks. We are everywhere. Marcel Robinson there, Stuart Weber down at the stadium. Uh Pro Soccer uh, back in Jacksonville with the headline says Tim Tebow back to USL franchise and uh, the USL. Casey, you understand all this stuff a little bit better than me. I don't know if you've dissected it all uh, yet, but uh, it looks like it's kind of uh, it's not a true rival to the Armada. Like the Armada are not going anywhere, but it's more like staking a flag in the ground for uh, this USL which I think has tried to get in Jacksonville for quite some time. At least that's what Stuart Weber tried to tell me. Uh, yeah, they're not the MLS. They're higher than the Armada. They're lower than the MLS. They'll play the Tampa Bay Rowdies. That's the same league, if you're familiar with that. So, yeah, it's a big deal. Um, but, you know, uh, it'll be cool for Jacksonville. And then, obviously, Stuart said there's a stadium that has to be involved with that. So we'll see how that plays out. But, uh, yeah, it'll be cool if it comes through. So Stuart knows this stuff really well, right? And uh, he's he's done a lot of work with the Armada. Um so what happened, uh, I'll just read Marcel's tweet. USL Championship announced that Jack's USL has acquired the rights to a USL Championship expansion franchise, but they don't intend to play until 2025. So that's what I'm talking about with the flag in the ground. Yeah. So, like, it's 2022. So this is basically like your favorite college football team scheduling something for 10 years <laughs> down the road. But are they are they building something, or are they going to probably well, just pay to and so s- occupy it? Yeah, so Stewart says, USL has long coveted Jacksonville as a market to place a team to join Miami FC and the Tampa Bay Rowdies. The announcement sets into motion with the ambitious goal of a 15,000-seat stadium. Wow. According to their website. Worth noting that globally, some of the best robberies in soccer come from crosstown teams. The U.S., especially in lower leagues, have not been able to replicate that so far. Looking a few years in advance, but Jacks could be the latest test of that. 15,000-seat stadium? That's no slouch. No slouch, man. Like, that seems kind of big. You're talking about Casey's glued to Chelsea over (laughs) there. But how many many Casey's are there? 
15,000? You're talking uh, a bigger capacity than the arena? You're talking uh, bigger capacity? Well, uh, it's a slightly smaller than the arena. I thought the arena was 12 and change. No, nah, I think it can be. I, well, maybe I'm mis- I thought you can get like 17, 18 in for a concert. So maybe that's different from a seating capacity because of the floor space. Yeah, you might be right. I have capacity listed here at 15, but they may they may be able to like anyway, finagle that's, that. That's a, a good. Bit. That's a good. That, that's the same as like that. I stadium. mean, that is a giant I mean, that arena for soccer. Right? I How think. much does uh, the sh- the shrimp can get? About 10 in there. Is it that high? I thought it was less than that. Let me look that up. Baseball. Yeah, grounds. I think they've had crowds. Now that might include standing room only and everything. Yeah, I've seen a concert there where they had people on the field, um, but uh, capacity is 11,000 there for baseball. I don't know what. Uh, say UNF seats. They only have one side of the bleachers, but I don't like Hodges Stadium. I'm not really sure what that looks like. But fifteen thousand, man, that seems like a big place. So Hodges holds twelve, does it? Yeah. Wow, really? He holds twelve, yeah. huh? Um, and that's with one side. So, hmm. I mean, fifteen thousand seats. Did you really need it? Is the question. If if that were to be the case, again. Uh, we'll see what happens with it. It's for down the road, but it's a big announcement today. Tim Tebow, part of that ownership group uh, that uh, could set in motion three years. And by the way, I've said this here, Armada are not going anywhere. They're still working on their own deal that I think would eventually be a part of like a major league soccer MLS uh, system. Maybe the Armada end up sharing the pitch with this new team. I doubt that. <laughs> it doesn't sound like that to me. <laughs> it does not sound like that to me. Uh, Brett Martineau, Aaron Schachter, Casey Kurtz. Casey, Chelsea still down 2-1. He's so annoyed. No idea, Brent. I'm rolling on the press conference trying to listen to Doug Peterson. Trying to uh, pull you audio. He's so mad. Oh. Pull me audio. Yeah. God forbid you ask Casey for something. That's amazing. Thanks for trying to pull the audio. <laughs> He's doing. I'm just papers. trying to get a good Chelsea soccer score. He's being a good guy. He's a good Samaritan right now. Amazing. Like he gets gets himself into like a Casey meter of two. Yeah. Like he put himself there. Yeah. It happened way before so the about Casey. It was it was mad about, I mean, about Chelsea. Chelsea. Yes. He was mad about the soccer to begin with. Yeah. I'm going to start calling Chelsea the fighting Casey. Casey's. All right. Listen. You brought this up. So I want to get to it. You printed right. this out for us. You yeah. did some, like, show work. A little a little prep. And so what's interesting about this is it's all NFL topics, and it's an agent survey. Yeah. Right? So give us more. Well, you got to take it with a grain of salt because of that, right? On the one hand, I think because it's anonymous, you get a little more of the truth-telling here, right? They ask some questions. People aren't afraid of course, to offend yeah. people. But at the same time, you're coming from a specific angle. So... Like we said before, when we were talking about who they trust the most and the least when it comes to GMs, that ha- might have more to deal with an agent getting taken advantage of than someone who's actually a bad person. Yeah, who's got good relationships with yeah. who, right? But they started it out with Deshaun Watson as a conversation, and it's one we've been having here, obviously, for a long time, and it's kind of calmed down now, as the NFL had hoped, going according to plan, by the way, till he comes back in October. But they asked all these agents what the most interesting or surprising decision of the offseason was. Deshaun Watson running away with it. But Kyler Murray's homework study film clause also made the list at second place. Russell Wilson's trade making the list at third place. If you had to think about some of these offseason narratives and things that happened, I'm not sure too much was bigger than that. Maybe the Tom Brady Dolphins thing in my mind was bigger than the Russell Wilson trade, only because Russell Wilson is on the other side of that mountain in his career, but it's not like he's done. He's got years to go, so it was a pretty big trade. I'm not sure about that. But uh, they also asked him what they make of Watson's fully guaranteed $230 million contract. 
Yeah, this is interesting. And I thought it was an interesting response because the agents believe that this is going to be the future of these quarterback contracts. And I think they get into this a little bit later. But you're looking at a team in the Browns that's in the AFC North that's constantly competing with these uh, upper-level quarterbacks, whether it's Joe Burrow, Lamar Jackson. And as they mentioned the piece, Pittsburgh is Pittsburgh. Regardless of who's under center, chances are Mike Tomlin isn't losing more than seven games in a season. He just doesn't do it. So Cleveland felt like they had to do something, but at what cost, right? Yeah, at $230 million. Yeah. That's what the cost was. I mean, above and beyond the money, too. So I guess one of these agents said, I understand why Cleveland did. The AFC's loaded that quarterback. Look at their division. Uh, Pittsburgh's Pittsburgh. If you have a top five quarterback in the league, which some people did prior to all this, those quarterbacks never come available in their prime. So they, they, so they, they kind of justified it. it. Yeah. But, <laughs> again, they're agents. They're very friendly to an agent. Oh, well, yeah. If you're, if you're signing a $230 million guaranteed deal, the agent's picking up probably 23 of that. So you're, you're walking away with a hefty payday. Uh, there's some other interesting notes here. Again, you got the Lamar Jackson stuff, which Lamar Jackson. I love the take on Lamar Jackson. You go ahead, read it, because I'm going to also find you some Lamar Jackson that came out yesterday where he kind of involves himself in the conversation on Twitter. Like he's actually taken to social media, which is very unique, I think. Yeah. The whole thing has age. been very unique, I think. He's an interesting cat. I think a lot of people just looked at Lamar representing himself as like, oh, this guy's a dumb athlete and doesn't know what he's doing. But listen to this take, because it kind of opened my eyes. The question was, Lamar acting as his own agent, entering the final year of his rookie contract without a new deal. What do you make of the thing? And this agent goes, hey, look, by representing himself and not negotiating, it actually allowed a lot of other contract negotiations to play themselves out. Lamar ended up working himself into a race. According to this agent, had he had representation, they would have pushed him to sign this deal a long time ago, before he ever got to camp, Interesting. before OTAs. Before the Kyler Murray deal, before the Watson deal. So now That's interesting that you've an raised agent that would have him to do it. Yeah, yeah. So now you're looking at the Murray deal and you're going, Well, pff, you're gonna pay me more than that guy. Right? So he probably made himself a few million dollars by being patient. Everyone's looking at him going, Well, you're crazy. You walk on the field and break your leg, you got no protection. Maybe he sees it differently. Well, so here's the Twitter back and forth on Lamar Jackson. I thought this was this was fascinating. Somebody said, um, yeah, I think just somebody on Twitter, it wasn't anybody in particular, said, so uh, Lamar Jackson's a league MVP and he still hasn't broken the bank, question mark. Ravens, you're on the hot seat. Give that man $250 million guaranteed before you write a check uh, your, your blank can't cash. Uh, Williams says he wants more. They already offered that. I mean, these are just two, like, random people on Twitter. Right. And Lamar Jackson jumps in. It's not like Peter King said that or Schefter right. said it's it. It's just two guys tweeting at each other. Yeah, the note blue check marks. You know, if you value that stuff. And Lamar Jackson's like, no, they didn't. When he said they offered it, no, they didn't. No, they didn't. Very interesting to hear him just even jump back in like that. Um, I think here's a guy who doesn't like how he's getting painted right now. And maybe he would have taken the 250. Maybe he's like, I would have taken it. Yeah, I think, I mean, he, he went back and forth on Twitter quite a bit, actually. And this guy says, as much as I love Lamar, <laughs> this is great, a fully guaranteed deal is just bad business. Just because a horrible franchise, the Cleveland Browns did horrible business, giving Watson that contract doesn't mean other teams should follow. Honestly, I'm hoping uh, Lamar gets a 10-year, half-a-billion-dollar deal. Lamar Jackson replies, you don't love Lamar. <laughs> <laughs> I love this guy. How do you not love Lamar Jackson? I know, that's great. And, and like then RG3, who used to be teammates with him, uh, I think he was teammates for a little bit. Yeah, a little yeah, bit. Yeah. Offer needs to be a six-year, $318 million fully guaranteed deal. 53 a year, highest paid player ever, unanimous MVP, winner, puts in the work, team guys, stop playing with him. Wow. I'm not, I mean, You're not he's there not yet. the best quarterback in the league. Okay, will he be, though? 
No. You don't think so? No. You don't think he's ever getting there? No. All right. No. Because apparently a lot of people feel he's that valuable to his franchise. I don't know. I look at the Ravens franchise and I'm like, who else is on this team, at least on offense, that you're giving to Lamar Jackson and the guy's still going out and being an MVP? Yeah. Listen, and to that, it's very Aaron Rodgers. Lamar's been very good. He's been very good. You can't. I'm not trying to take away. I feel like sometimes when you have these arguments, you're saying, oh, the guy stinks or he's bad. No, I'm not trying to do that. Lamar Jackson's going to get paid. He should get paid. They've invested in him. They changed the whole offense around him, and he's done some really good things. I mean, won an MVP. I still think he has some things to prove, much like Kyle Murray, like winning in the postseason. Like, I can't even put him on the threshold of the best quarterbacks in the game. I mean, like, the best. You're asking Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers. That's the money you're talking uh, Josh about. Josh Allen, even, who's now won in the postseason and gave himself a chance to get to a Super Bowl. Defense couldn't slam the door shut. That's the money. Uh, yeah. I mean, you know, Justin Herbert's first couple of years, numbers are better even though he hasn't done anything in the postseason. So, I mean, Russell Wilson. I mean, there, there's, so, there's a lot better quarterbacks right now that I would take before Lamar Jackson. That's not saying I wouldn't invest in Lamar Jackson. So I disagree with RG3 to be like, all right, well, yeah, he's $53 million. He's the best one. He should be the highest-paid guy. I mean, I'm not sure I agree he should be the highest-paid guy. Patrick Mahomes should be probably the highest-paid guy because investment matches already your resume and who you are. He's the best quarterback with more time left to play in the NFL right now. Like, I don't even think Josh Allen I would put up higher than him or Herbert. So, like, the best guy right now in the league is Patrick Mahomes. Now, it's like real estate. Three months later, you do a deal – the price just went this up. This is why I'm I guess asking. that, right? Yes. But I just don't see – Like, I'm not going to sit here and argue that Lamar Jackson should be the highest-paid guy and he should break the bank and set new records. I think he should get paid. And there have been other guys that have gotten paid without breaking the bank. I mean, Derek Carr just got paid $40 million a year, but he didn't necessarily set records in doing so. So I'm going to say a few names and the money they're making annually. You tell me if you'd pay more than that for Lamar Jackson. All right, we'll start – at Russell Wilson, 35 mil a year? Yes, because of age. Yes. Okay, great. So we can move up that list a little bit. How about um, Matt Stafford at 40 a year? He's uh, not worth more than 40 a year to you? Wait, yeah, because it's the going rate. I would still take Matt Stafford over the next three years, and I would. Not what I'm asking. Yeah. I'm asking if you'd pay Lamar more than yeah. you're paying Matt Stafford yeah, I'd right pay him. now. I'd be okay doing that. You just mentioned Derek Carr, $40.5 million. Yeah, so over fine. three years, you're good going over that. You mentioned Josh Allen earlier. Josh Allen's sitting on $43 million, six-year yeah, contract. Yeah, I think he's a nice – I think somewhere between that 40 and 43 is where it stops for me. So you said no. Mahomes is your guy. Deshaun yep. Watson's making 46 now. You probably don't believe Deshaun should make yeah, the 46. Yeah, bad money. But it is what it is. So are you paying – Lamar Jackson, should you be paying Lamar Jackson more than you're paying Deshaun Watson? Not will Brent give him $47 million, but should no. you pay Lamar Jackson more than Deshaun Watson? No. Okay. Should you pay Lamar Jackson more than Kyler Murray? Yes. That probably says more about how you feel about Murray than anything else. Aaron Rodgers was mentioned early on, $50.3 no, million. Dollars. Should you pay him more? Two-time MVP. No, you shouldn't pay more. Even though he's in his 30s Doesn't matter now. Right now. Doesn't no. matter. 38, and to Brady's proved that you can get four more years. I'll take four more years of Aaron Rodgers than seven more years of Lamar Jackson right now if I was a team. I would sign Lamar Jackson to a five. Not a 10-year deal, a five-year deal, because he relies so much on his legs if I was making these calls and it was up to me and not Lamar Jackson. But I would give him Kyler Murray money. I would give him above 45. I don't know if I'm hitting 50 unless he's making me, but I... I'd, I'd be happy if it landed between 45 and 50. Well, the interesting thing is that's where they're going to probably have to go. 
because Kyler Murray's done nothing yeah. relative to Lamar Jackson, and they still gave him that amount of money. Yeah, you want to talk about setting a market. There like, it is. He really, like, re, they reset that thing. Oh, yeah. So I, I would agree. I think you got to go there. But honestly, where he fits in that is somewhere between Derek Carr and Josh Allen. And there's a 40 to $43 million window, and that's where, if I was the organization, I'd like to pay about a $42 million contract right below Josh Allen. But to get I would away say with it. Arizona messed that up a little bit. Yeah, They're man. probably going to have to go give him $48 million a year as they just keep resetting the market. Well, I mean, Joe Burrow's contract is going to be coming up here in another year or two if they uh, do the extension with him. Right now he's making $9 million, so you know he'll be up in the 40s. Yeah. The, the so, question is, what what part of the 40s? Yeah, good point. So, anyway, I don't know. We'll see uh, what happens. I, I like Lamar. I just think some of – I, I really was fascinated more with his Twitter comments. I'm like, that's an interesting time of year to go on Twitter, which means it's probably bothering him a little bit I because we're so. getting closer to the season. Yeah. And he knows, like, man, I can't believe this thing's not done, and I'm going to go play here, and I better not get hurt because that's a scary thing, I would think, for an athlete. Like, you don't want to think about injury. You don't play scared. But when you got $250 million, $300 million in the balance and you don't have that Maybe signed yet, it's that, not in yeah. your bank, um, none of that's in your bank, that's uh, that's a little risky. You I know, mean, that's you just heard, common sense. You heard RG3 talk about half a billion on the line right there. And the guy relies on his legs, and those guys get uh, injured and are at risk more than just a regular pocket passer. So if I'm Lamar Jackson, I'm wanting to get it done. But obviously, you know, you don't want to do it during the season. You want to be able to focus. I think he's looking at this thing. He's getting painted as a bad guy by some fans, and he's like, hey. Pump the brakes, guys. They didn't even offer that money at me. Yeah, you're right. Keep. I want to bring. Didn't you bring up in this article, by the way, that uh, we were breaking down a little, that uh, they thought the wide wide receiver market was yes. defined by the yeah. Jags. So the uh, one of the questions they asked was, "What do you make of the wide receiver market exploding this off season?" And one of the most popular sentiments was that Christian Kirk and the Jags started that resetting of the market. Kirk got seventy two million. What are you going to give a guy like Jamar Chase? Now, what they're not talking about is what that that contract actually looks like for Christian Kirk. It's not a, it's it's not as uh, bulbous as they're making it sound. It's not like the guy got thirty million a year. But to their point, it was the first domino to fall in that wide receiver market, and it was a big number when we heard it. You know what's interesting? Why I don't feel like the Jags reset the market. Because all those other guys that signed after that were like 20, 27, yeah. 28. I mean, whatever Devontae's making. I, it, those are the guys to me that re- you can't. Can you really reset the market if you're making 17 million a year? I mean, there are guys, by the way, like Michael Thomas was making 20 million a year to begin with. Yeah. Now he had, he had earned it. He had caught like 120 balls in a year and stuff like that. Kirk hadn't done that yet, so they were kind of paying. Like, what people think is they're overpaying Kirk for what he they think he can be. That's where they're talking about and selling so, that market. So he's not in that level of receiver. But to me, it's still guys like Devontae Adams who, whatever they ripped the contract up for, now what they're paying. D- I, I think our best argument here is the DK Metcalf stuff. Like, Metcalf and Kirk, we see their numbers. We know their numbers. And for them to be separated by some $7 million a year in salary, I think it's worth asking that the Jags get a bargain. Yeah, Devontae was 28 mil annually. Yeah, so I mean, he reset the market. Yeah, well, Tariq Hill at thirty million with the okay, Dolphins, or he reset the market. Uh, One of those two guys, but they're the top receivers. Like, I just don't think you get. I don't really think Kirk impacted those deals as much as people think. He's not. He was not even in their their stratosphere. I mean, all of these guys who just redid their deals. You're right. Are at twenty five or higher, essentially, with the exception of DK at twenty four. Stephon Diggs redid his deal at twenty four, and then Debo finally got his deal at twenty three point eight five. But 
Like, if they're giving Christian Kirk that money for what he did and then prorating that out to what these guys are doing, then the market reset kind of holds there. I don't know. Devontae Adams at 30 million, Tariq Hill at 30 million, DeAndre Hopkins with that Cardinals deal at 27 and a quarter, Cooper Cup 26 and a half, AJ Brown at 25. Like, I'm okay with those numbers based on what you got today. Like, they didn't overpay for those guys based on what everyone else is getting. Those were important receivers for your team. I just got asked this. Who's the guy in the middle of the Chelsea, in the Chelsea jersey? Is he asleep? Yeah. I was like, no, he's watching the Jags presser. Uh, <laughs> he's cutting sound. It's Doug Peterson saying. What's Trent Balky saying? He's really just watching The Bachelor. He just told us he was watching the press conference. Ah, that could be. Clay Harbor is on like a Skype call with him. <laughs> FaceTime. Breaking it down. Instead of the X's and O's, breaking down the roses. We'll be back on ESPN 690. What are Peterson and Balky saying today at their news conference? Anything alarming coming out of there? We'll uh, let you know. And uh, reset if you're just jumping in. Where the Jags are at roster-wise. Three running backs, two kickers. Is that interesting enough? We'll be back on ESPN 690. Well, again, it's a position we feel good about. We feel good about the health of both both Travis and, and James uh, feel feel real good about the development of Snoop. He, he knows we had a good meeting this morning. He knows exactly what he needs to do. So feel good. But again, we're it's a position that we're going to continue to look at, monitor, and add to if necessary. That is Jaguars GM Trent Balky on the running back position, which is I will say it again. I think as boomer bust as you can get on this roster. Hmm. I mean, it has a chance to be electric. ETN, James doing what he's done, and then don't even, I mean, you're not even worried about Snoop as much. I mean, if you can fill in a little bit here or there. You're not really going to see him. And then you might be able to pick up a decent guy on the waivers after some of the folks that have been cut today. So you might find a fourth down back that you feel pretty good about too given uh, I think they would get a veteran player, somebody that's had a little experience, that would be my guess but also you have two guys coming off injury that you have no idea what to expect. You really don't. I mean that is that's a massive deal now because one thing I don't think has been talked about as much for the Jags is there this preseason is there a concern in the power run game and a lot of that's James. He's just not back to full health, so we haven't seen it. And that's your guy. That's your power run game guy. Yeah. And, yeah, that's great. ETN can run between the tackles, but he's still not your power guy. It's not how we view him. And by the way, I, I think it's worthy of that, concern. I've heard you say that a few times now, and, and, and I can appreciate you have faith in the guy, but we still haven't seen him do it in the NFL. No, and, and it, you, you're talking about ETN. Yeah. Being a but I just don't even guy. look at ETN as that because I see him doing so many other things, and I think explosive, right? I mean, I, my mind goes to ETN, boom, look at him go out of the gate. Yeah. Uh, that's not what I'm talking about here. I'm talking about James Robinson's running style. Yeah, I'm talking about tackles, yeah. picking up four yards, pick, keeping you ahead of the chains, all those, like, cliches coaches, like, on schedule, and, and then, you know, once in a while, popping one for 12, 15, 22, and, and not running away from everybody. But yeah. you know what? That's worked okay. Like, it's been okay. You like to see the guy be able to run away from people, too. Like, Fournette had a little bit of that ability, right? He could he could run and be physical, physical, and then, boom, when he popped it, it would be tough to catch him. James Robinson's done just fine. He's done just fine. But I do believe, like, if I have one concern on this team right now because I don't know what they're going to get, I don't even know week one if James Robinson's going to play. So where's their power run game? 
Because if there's one thing this team has actually done well at in their, you know, list of failures over the last 15 years is kind of run the ball and run the ball with some power. Sure. Yeah, they run with purpose, yeah. I'm not sure they have that. Like, even the offensive line, are you bullish on them being able to push people around in the run game? I don't know. Like, you don't. Even, you might not have to worry about them pass protecting as much because Trevor can run away from stuff, you know? Also, if they're throwing it short and across the middle of the field, you don't really expect him to be in the pocket too long. You just kind of want him to have more than a second and a half back there before he's got to climb that ladder into the offensive line. But they also don't seem like they're building the roster to care about that power run game either. Well, that's fair. I mean, you can't be you can't be good at everything, and I think I think that's if you want to be dynamic and fast and spread the ball out and do all those things, then maybe it's hard to be great in the power run game too. Yeah, you were bringing up Sony Michelle in what was it with the Rams, mm-hmm. right? The Rams were doing so many different things. Like, how many times would they just boom, you know, hand and, and Not you, know, you got two hundred carries? They would do it different ways. Right, and so there's a different way to attack it. Now they did it with like three different backs. The Rams have done it have. over the last couple of years, and so they did it by committee and found a way to probably be physical when they need to. But I just don't, I don't think of their offense be like, wow, they got a physical back. Like you think of Cleveland's offense physical. You think of Jags over the years. From I mean, even Fred Taylor was explosive, but Maurice Jones Drew and 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 again Leonard Fournette and recently James Robinson. Like there's history over the last 15 years of even when the Jags weren't good that they could go get four yards now. Yeah. And on third and two, they could go get a couple yards and keep the chains moving. Not every year, but a lot of years they were able to do that. And by the way, to your point about the Rams earlier, when they need to and it's first and goal, they hand that rock to Henderson and he's in there, no problem. So, I mean, all these teams that do work around the pass, you know, they still have that power option. So Robinson certainly needed. The question is, you know, when will we get to see it? Yeah, and so, again, you look at this roster, and I think you can add to the receiving room, right? I'm not – Tim Jones done a great job, but I'm not going to sit here and raise the pom-poms that Tim Jones is going to make you win an extra game. Well, he's a fifth wide receiver, most likely. It, that's not his job. Like, there's nothing really to worry about there. They're just going to add depth. The offensive line, I like what they have. I like some of their backups. I don't know if I like all nine of their guys, but I like some of it. And you like the quarterback situation, of course. And, and they like the tight end room. Tight end room was easy. Like, that's simple. Up front, we like the levels of the defense. Is there a lot to be concerned about on defense? Not really. Like, you kind of like it. Sure, safety, depth, what happens after that. But, you know, every team, when you start to lose people, you got to wonder what they have. I mean, the Jacks have a lot of things to like, a lot of things you can buy into, which is crazy. Um, it is. It's kind of because they won four games the last. Well, you just think they would have more holes that you really didn't like. Yeah, and I'm not sure they do. Like you like their linebackers. They're young, uh, with Foyer, but so they're unproven. But you love what they could be. Sure. I mean, you love Trayvon Walker. What he could be. They put together some talented guys over there. I mean, they they have every level, every position that starts. Like they're 22. Is is something you can buy into. Like, you feel pretty good about it. Nobody likes their offensive line, so I'm sure you'll complain about that along the way. But I think their 22 is something you really kind of like, which has us nitpicking like the kicker the most <laughs> the last month, um, and rightfully so. I was going to say, it's not the only thing what's, we're nitpicking What's about. crazy about the Jags is once you get past their 22, if you go to, like, 28, you start to raise an eyebrow. Mm. You know, or maybe it's 30. 
It's like, okay, well, once we get to 28, it's a little sharp. shaky. Yeah. You know, I mean, you feel good maybe about Walker Little as a backup, right? If Tyler Shatley as a backup on offense. Um, and then on defense, like, you like uh, Arden Key and Smoot. But then after that, like, does everything start to really Where dive down? Where are you down? seeing the least depth on this roster? Is it the secondary? I think point? we see in the secondary, yeah. But their front line, it makes you feel pretty good. Like, especially at corner. I think there's question marks about both Cisco and Rayshon Jenkins if we're being real. But, again, I think there's stuff you can buy into. Like, I'm bullish on Cisco, man. You I love yourself, Cisco. I, I think can't wait to see what he does this He's year. He's part of your trinity. You got Dan Arnold, you got <laughs> Cisco, and I'm, I'm missing one. Uh, who is it? Maybe it's uh, Godsis with the tattoo. And, uh, no. Even Godsis is like, that's a, that's like probably one of your last linemen on the roster. Mm-hmm. Pretty good. Yeah. Like, he, he's, a, he's not bad to be a last guy on the roster. His defense going to shock some people this year. I'm telling you, man. So so I go back to the running back room where, again, you could be bullish on those two guys. Like, there's plenty of reason to. And I'm sunshine and rainbow, so I probably am. But I can't, like, unequivocally say, hey, I think, like, that's going to happen because they're both coming off significant injuries. And we really haven't even seen James Robinson. Like, we don't know if he's got it. Yeah. We it's just a, don't know. It's a serious injury. He's coming back very quickly from it. So that's uh, I think that's the big story in the running back room and why they might need to go add another player. They might need to figure that out uh, sooner than later. And Trent Bulky and Doug Peterson talked a little bit about that. Guy Sargent, the latest uh, casualty for the Jags roster. They choose to keep two kickers instead. So they are down to 53 now. And now the jockeying p- p- begins. Like, who are they going to put a cl- uh, waiver claim in on? And then who, who's gone? Because once you do that, somebody's got to go. And they're going to be awarded whoever they want. They sit number one. And by the way, you don't go like you get. This isn't like a fantasy football draft. <laughs> like, hey, you pick the waiver claim, and then the next thirty-one teams do it, and then you snake back to number one. No, yeah. that's not how this works. Jags could put in five claims today if they want, and they're going to have first dibs on them all. Yeah. So they can do whatever the heck they want to do. It's just a matter of who are they also going to get rid of. Yeah. See, it's a lot trickier than people think. That is not an e- I can go out and get five guys and be intrigued by them. But who are you moving out? But who you're moving out is is a fair question. I mean, they just, okay, one kicker. Easy. <laughs> okay. All right. Then, like, I think, like, Will Richardson could be in jeopardy. I still think he is. Yeah, you were saying that yesterday. And, and then, I don't know, after that, I mean, do you start losing a guy like Dixon or Josh Thompson? Thompson are you willing to go one. there? Or Jameer Jones? Is that what you're doing? So... Like I said, it gets a lot harder. You're probably not willing to part with some of these guys unless you really feel like you're hitting a home run on the waiver wire. And uh, the Jags have to be ready to make that move, which I think is enticing for us. We're like, wow, that's cool. They got the waiver wire. They got the number one. But are they really going to use it as much as you think they might or should? And uh, you got to think about that other element of it is my point. Trent Baalke. Got absolutely crushed around here. Crushed. They made a whole icon about it with the with the clown thing on Twitter. It was ridiculous. I mean, it was a, the whole thing for six weeks was really Trent bulky driven. And why do I feel like if you asked the fan base, and maybe we should, okay, that people would be approval rating pretty high on bulky in this roster. Which, by the way, if your approval rating's pretty high in the roster, then you've got to be high on Balky. Yeah. He's the one that has helped put it together, and his name is on this one even more than it was last year. For sure. 
So, are we a bulky believer? <laughs> I think a lot of people are becoming that. Are they willing to forget about last year? Probably not. But I think like the players were able to do earlier in camp, there's a whole lot you can put on Urban's shoulders right now. Now, once you hit the field this season with your guys, you're going to have to start making excuses for everything that's not going well, and it's got nothing to do with Urban. But right now, you can still kind of lean on him a little bit. That is fascinating. Like, about bulky. Yeah, I mean, you can do it. If this roster turns out to be pretty good, and they win games. And again, I'm not saying they go to the tune of what? Uh, seven games. Okay. If this and and by the way, if you win seven games, which I think is just monumental to win seven, I really do. I think there's a huge difference between six and seven. Mm-hmm. But if you win seven, and you're going to like a lot of stuff on the roster, that means a lot of young guys probably played well. The Trayvons, the Devin Lloyds, obviously Trevor, right? The ETN, free agents as well, Christian yeah. Kirks, the, these guys that. It's a remade roster yeah. in a lot of ways over the last two years, especially. And so, I mean, we're looking at a 30 for 30. <laughs> you think so? It's going to be one of the biggest comebacks for a GM of all time. I mean, yeah, I will I will nonstop talk about January to December if they win seven games. The whole because fan January base. Because January through December on Trent Bulky would be epic. The whole fan base was against this guy. Oh, never seen anything like it. It's the most toxic thing I've seen in Jacksonville. <laughs> I mean, I guess I've never stood on the shipyards, but uh, the uh, it would be unbelievable. What a comeback. Balking at Balky, premiere Sunday on the CW, according to Glenn <laughs> Appleman. I'd <laughs> be on CBS 47 and Fox 30. <laughs> no, my bad. Thank you. We'll be back on ESPN 690. <laughs> He took advantage of his opportunities and and you know young players that's kind of been my message since i got here you know everybody gets an opportunity and, and the ones that grasp it you know um get get chances in this league and and uh, he did a nice job on special teams for us and, and he was he was a young receiver who's who's really uh sort of grasped you know his opportunity to play and and showed us even the other day some of the some of the plays he made in, in that atlanta game just stood out to us and you know that fifth and and if we add you know another guy later if he's a sixth guy whatever those those got to be those core core teams player and, and he, he's one of those guys there you go that is doug peterson on tim jones tim jones how many 83 jerseys are being bought these days <laughs> maybe a few but for tim jones that's a cool story man there's no doubt about it and i, I bet from doug peterson's point of view he loves that stuff Remember, doug peterson's a guy who got cut waved six different times yeah and so i think these guys really appreciate players like tim jones man. how could they you not yeah. yeah a guy who's hungry and works for it fights scratches and claws above all odds underdog story gotta love it and then delivers yeah right because listen i think there are a lot of guys that work their butt off and you know you know, working hard, everybody thinks they do anyway. But there are a lot of guys that are dedicated to it, but for some reason just didn't work for him. I mean, look at Austin, the Kevin Austin kid. I mean, he drops like two balls that are right in his hands over the last couple of weeks. Game over. I mean, those are glaring to me. Yeah. And and he might have a great skill set, and there might be. But you can't bring a guy on the team who just dropped like two balls right in his hands. Yeah. You know, he's got to make every play. And Tim Jones seemingly made like every play, uh, which was cool. Brent Martin, Casey Curse, Aaron Schachter here on a Tuesday. Action Sports Shacks on ESPN 690. Uh, see Serena Williams last night? Yeah, how great is that, huh? Who saw that coming? Yeah, I don't know. Who, who retired, Gail King or Serena Williams? 
She has a hard road in front of her. Uh, Serena Williams last night was, it was kind of cool. It was an interesting thing, right? I mean, they, they have all this celebration for Serena, as they should. Sure. Then she wins the match. Straight sets. And then they do like an on-court <laughs> they like ceremony yeah, after. Yeah. On-court celebration sure they, of the celebration. Yeah. Because it's like kind of weird, but at the same time, like you get it. Yeah. Because that might have been her only match. So if you're going to plan to have people there, yeah, you got to do it. And if you're going to have your Super Bowl confetti moment and you might not get it in the finals uh, and, and at the uh, tournament, then yeah, why not yesterday? I don't know because it's tennis. Um if we fully appreciate Serena Williams for her greatness, I mean, that resume like we might other athletes. That resume is thick. I was actually thinking about this when the first announcements came out of that uh, Vogue article. How do we lay these accolades next to sports that we talk about every day? Because some of these records she holds, some of, some of the dominant plays she had, might she be one of the most dominant athletes of any sport of our time? She is. I think hands down. Like, I, I think she did an interview somewhere along the way where somebody said, like, uh, you know, the greatest, one of the greatest female athletes, and she corrected, she's like, athletes, athletes right? Oh, yeah. And, sure. and she's right. Um, she, what, what I think is wild about the whole Serena Williams story is before Serena was Venus, and she was great. Like, there was some greatness about Venus that now gets dwarfed Yeah, you don't, even, Serena. You don't even hear Venus talked about you it. You don't. Like, people forget about it. And, it's, and they tried to bring it up yesterday, like, a lot in the broadcast. Like, hey, don't forget, Venus was a big part of this thing. And they did bring up an interesting point. Like, even growing up, they had those two to hit balls with each other. It's crazy. I mean, it's got to make you better if you're you two of the best players in the world. It's funny you mention this because, you know, we mentioned the Manti Teo documentary recently. In that series called Untold on Netflix is this Andy Roddick documentary. Okay. Where the dad, who's like this psycho tennis coach, yeah, yeah. moves in one of Andy Roddick's friends. And instead of friends, they just end up competing against each other for their whole childhood. Much, you know, similar to what you're talking about, Serena and Venus, probably, when they grew up. Like, it's interesting, Casey's age group, like, they, I mean, Serena, real, she's 40 now. She went, she had a baby. Mm-hmm. Like, she got out of sport for a little bit. Now she's come back. She certainly hasn't been, I think she won a major after, maybe even more than one. But she certainly hasn't been the dominant player that she was prior to, you know, uh, having a baby. And I don't know if, like, I wonder if the younger generation even appreciates Serena because they might have missed it a little bit. I mean, not only did they miss it, but I feel like tennis was a bigger deal as well, recently as five years ago, much yeah. less 15, 20 years and ago. And it seemed like more of a bigger deal 10, 15 to 20 years ago. Yeah, for sure. The other thing I thought about with Serena Williams, this came on the heels of Rory McIlroy. We didn't talk about much yesterday, but athletes are asked to do so much more than they used to, or are they? In on the field or off the no, field? No, but well, more off. I mean, like, if you look They're at Rory right now, Rory field. is carrying the flag against Liv for the PGA Tour. Like, you can really get him and, you know, Tiger was a part of that thing, but he's the one playing now. He's the face of the tour Yeah, is Rory, and he wins the tour championship, and it was a week prior that he got everybody together and was part of the big meeting, and he's been heavy against Liv and vocal about it, and he's for the tour. He's a great ambassador. Like, those are big things. I mean, Rory right now is the most important figure in golf, in my opinion, especially if you're, like, a fan of the tour. Yeah. He's definitely the most important figure, and I just don't know if we 
I mean, that's a that's a big burden. I mean, did they ask Tiger Woods to do that? Not really. Tiger did it, no, he but he didn't himself, have to probably. do it because there wasn't a rival league. Or he could have started his own rival league if he wanted to. But you look at, and then I saw it and like, kind of juxtapose that with Serena Williams. And all she did change and has changed. And, and I mean, they were talking about putting... Uh, Venus Williams and Serena Williams in evening matches and center stage and uh, U.S. Open. I mean, they they made that happen. Their popularity, their greatness. I mean, that and that's just scratching the surface. Yeah. From a fashion standpoint, from uh, an African American female great athlete, uh, the impact she's had on little girls. I mean, all across the globe, probably. And and she's a champion for a lot of things and not afraid to say it. And I think about her from a vocal standpoint, what she might say. And also I think about Rory McIlroy and what he says, because I think he's super eloquent in what he does say. And I'm like, wow. I mean, those are two impactful athletes. And I'm not sure we celebrate enough. And maybe more athletes have to do this. Like Tom Brady to me hasn't had to do any of that. Has he? Like what's Tom Brady? Tom Brady didn't have to put football on his back. No, but only because he was surging as the sport was surging, right? Like, McGuire and Sosa essentially put baseball on their back with that home run derby. Now, granted, they had the help of steroids, but baseball needed them to do so. Tennis needed Serena and, to a degree, Venus and Roger Federer and those guys to do so. But, you know, golf may need Rory to do so right now, especially with Liv chomping at the heels. But Tom Brady, I don't think ever, I don't think the NFL needed Tom Brady to get that done. That's the thing. Like, Brady, yeah, he was a big part of it, and he grew the popularity of it. And, like, Tiger, again, even a different animal. They asked Tiger to do a lot of the things that kind of Rory and Serena have now done in different ways. I'm not trying to liken the two, but, like, outside the sport. And, you know, he got criticized because he didn't do enough of it in, in a lot of people's minds. But he changed the whole, like, era and generation of golf. I mean, he increased the popularity, but it's just still in a different vein. Uh, I look at LeBron, and I think he's... I don't know if he's had to carry the freight alone, though, because there's so many stars in the NBA. He's certainly closer than Tom Brady. In Major League Baseball, I don't think there's a one player that's carrying the freight. You know? I mean, Shohei Otani is doing things that hasn't been done since Babe Ruth, but I don't know if he's carrying the weight of anything. It's also going to be hard for people in this country to relate to him because he's not from this country. If you look different, I think it does hurt in gaining those fans. The one thing that's interesting there is Shohei Otani probably is carrying the weight of more than we know. We just don't understand it. Like, back in his homeland... He's probably like a nightly news story headline, and you know, to where the, he's not here, and and the MLB probably expects him to carry that for his people. Good point. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, fascinating. I just think that when sports intersects with societal things, and you look at Serena Williams, and right now Rory, to a different degree, I think in the last couple of days have been two pillars in some of that conversation. We'll be back football at five when we come back on ESPN six nine.